It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz, and today we're broadcasting live in Lexington, Kentucky. Kentucky at the University of Kentucky with the Kappa Alpha Order National Convention in front of a live studio audience. Yes. All right. We got a live crowd here, Tanner. How about that? That's a pretty good crowd. I think they're, they're cheering for you, my brother. Tanner, what's your last name? Mahoney. Tanner's our first guest, and uh, we bring you on the show to talk about community service. We like to get involved with our communities, and as a fraternity, Kappa Alpha Order, we know you do a lot of great work uh, with your communities coast to coast. What is your campus? Uh, Georgetown College. In, in Kentucky? Yes. And what do you guys do uh, on campus to raise money, and, and who gets the money? Okay. Uh, one thing that we do, uh, usually the first two weeks of April, we hold a, a philanthropy golf scramble for MDA. And we have it at Canewood Golf Course right there in Georgetown, and we raise about $1,500 every year. So that's something we always like to promote. So. And that's something uh, alumni come back? Um, alumni, you, current guys, uh, people in the community, people on campus, uh, staff. We like to invite everybody out to see as big a crowd as we can. How hard is that to organize? <laughs> it takes uh, several weeks to get in planning. It's, uh, it's, it's a worth lot. It. It's yeah. worth it, though. And what do you shoot? <laughs> Depends on the week. <laughs> uh, low 80s. Low 80s, really? All right, good for you. I'm a 95er, so uh, I'll make that, that trip is. down there. Can I come down uh, next time and play? Sure. We're welcome um, to anybody. And then in addition to, I guess, I'm going to guess there, the way golf scramble, there's a, there's a foursome fee, and then beyond that you can, like, give to the fraternity, and to, which ultimately goes to the Muscular Dystrophy Association. Yes. We have a $200 team entry fee, and then we take uh, general donations. We also have... Uh, gifts from the local community um, as far as like door prizes and stuff like that so is there any uh, digital properties we can check this out maybe uh, your campus or fraternity facebook page our uh, facebook page is uh, beta delta at kappa alpha order so that's that's usually how we advertise most of our events and your uh, mda uh cause is that a national um i guess cause that all the all of your brothers work with or is that what you do just in uh, georgetown yeah. Uh, MDA is our national philanthropy, so that's something that uh, we're always very passionate about and do our best to help out with. So. All right. Well, Tanner, thank you so much for uh, helping us out with the show. Let's have a round of applause for Tanner. And again, we, uh, we thank the gentlemen of Kappa Alpha Order at the University of Kentucky. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. This is the Adam Ritz Show. I'm Adam Ritz. Thanks again for hanging with us and checking us out with uh, Social Awareness Radio. And we talk about social decision-making and social awareness and with a couple of stories this week that uh, hit virally and just took over Twitter. Uh, a Philadelphia Eagle wide receiver had a racial slur slash rant, very inappropriate, ugly comments that went viral. Uh, also, we had a NBA player from the Houston Rockets who was arrested for 
stomping on a homeless person, yelling at a homeless person, and then stomping on his leg. So that's assault. Uh, A lot of times, these negative stories from the world of sports, they hit the news, the airwaves, the broadcast media, they take over social media, they take over Twitter, and it's always nice uh, to hear about the positive stories in sports, and we want to bring one of those stories to the forefront right now. Friend of the show, Jeff Saturday, played for years with the Colts, retired from the Packers. Uh, Jeff is uh, a regular contributor to this show, and uh, he is a new member of ESPN, announced this summer uh, after his retirement that he'll be doing uh, NFL analyzing uh, for the network, ESPN, this fall. So if we look for Jeff Saturday on ESPN uh, this football season. Uh, we talked to Jeff um, recently about uh, his rookie season. It's a very inspiring story. It's a positive story. It's a feel-good story. And this is a piece of that conversation with Jeff Saturday. We're here with Jeff Saturday. Hi, Jeff. How you doing, man? Let's go back to your rookie year. Uh, you've got a pretty inspirational story on how you even got to be a professional athlete in the NFL. How'd that go? You know, it was it was uh, it really is a miracle. I tell people all the time it was a God thing. It was um, my my college years were good. I was two time all conference, two time academic all conference. So I felt like I had the sports world, um, you know, in hand. And uh, the draft came up. And I was expected to go on the first day, late in the first day or early in the second day. And uh, I didn't do great at the combine. I was smaller than people thought I was going to be. And so the draft day comes up and the first day comes and goes. I don't get picked. I'm kind of disappointed, but feel like tomorrow's going to be the day. And uh, I came in the next morning expecting it to happen. And uh, I can remember the the Cardinals calling me in the fourth round saying, hey, we're going to make you your next pick. And you know, the pick comes and goes, and it's not my name. It's somebody else's name. And um, just getting this panic feeling, you know, early in the day. And that day lasts, you know, four hours. And just watching picks come and go and other teams calling and saying, hey, we're going to pick you. And then it didn't happen. And uh, just being devastated, you know, as a college senior, I didn't take any interviews with companies because I really expected the pros to work out. And, uh, you know, here I am standing without a job and, you know, not even understanding what had happened. And probably about um, about three or four months later, I was out of football. I, I was signed with the Ravens for a cup of coffee is what I like to say. I went in, I walked in the room, there's a bunch of big trees, you know, as offensive linemen. I knew I wasn't going to fit there, um, so they cut me. So I went back and got a job in North Carolina, and I was working. And probably in December, uh, the cold – Whoa, 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 whoa. You're – you're not in the NFL. No. So as we sit here today, you've got over a decade in the NFL, all right. pro, pro bowl, <laughs> Super Bowl champion Jeff Saturday. After college, you were not in the NFL. Yeah, I am I am working at an electrical, uh, electrical supply company in North Carolina. And I was working out afterwards, hoping maybe I could go to the Arena League or something if that worked out. Uh, and the Colts called and it so happened, my roommate in college, Nate Hobgood Chittick, who had played with the Giants, he wasn't drafted as a college player. He went as a free agent, a college free agent. He was cut by the Giants, and the Colts signed him. And uh, he actually went into Bill Polian's office, which, I mean, it's like, it would be like a guy on the street walking in to see 
Obama. I mean, you know, this this is this is a comparison. You know, you know, it would be shocking if Bill even knew his name, mm-hmm. and he walks into his office and says, "Hey, listen, I've been on two teams. I played against four centers. I'm telling you, my roommate is is better than all four of them. You should give him a chance." And um, Bill had happened to be with the Panthers when I was at Carolina, and now he was with the Colts. And he said, "You know, we're not going to lose any money. We'll bring him in." And and uh, they brought me in for a workout, and they signed me. And uh, I'm telling you, man, it was it was a God thing all the way. Because 12 years later, and you, you know, you named all the accolades. I I would have never foresaw how this played out. That's pretty inspirational. So you're a rookie, and uh, let's go to your rookie year. What were uh, maybe some of the things that happened that you didn't expect? Um, probably how much time you have. You, you don't realize you, my, my wife was still working as a physical therapist in North Carolina because you have zero job security. You know, for any, anybody who thinks that because you go to the pros, you have this security, there is zero security. Unless you're a first round pick or the starting quarterback, your job is always trying to be replaced. And so, um, you know, I, I told her to stay down there, but how much time I had, I remember going, you know, I'd be here at seven 30 in the morning for our first meetings I would go to practice I would work out and I'd be done and it's you know 5 30 and I'm by myself and there's there's nothing to do you know you you don't have to go back and study anymore there's nothing you know there's nobody telling you where you should be there's no study halls and I just remember how um, you feel lonely a little bit, you know, because even with all your buddies around, you don't really know how to act. You, you, you have men who have families and, you know, they're, they're part of their in the NFL. And then you have young guys like us. So there's this huge dichotomy of people. And I just remember how much time thinking, wow, I have forever, you know, and then on certain days you you finish practice by one. So you have from one in the afternoon until, you know, the next practice in the morning to do whatever you want. So that time was was uh, probably the most shocking thing. Now, with all that time, uh, that's time you could get in trouble, too. (laughs) Absolutely. So you've made the transition from college to pro. Uh, with the media scrutiny, they're looking for you. To, you know, they, they love you when you win the Super Bowl, but they, they also love it when you make a mistake because that, that helps their ratings. That's how the media works. Right. Um, you've got an enormous target on your back. From a pro athlete perspective, how does that target on your back, the media scrutiny, affect your decision-making process where you go and who you go with. Yeah, I think uh, I think people underestimate exactly what you're saying. How um, how important it is for that story to sell papers or sell time on the internet for for reporters, and whether it's a good story or a bad story, it sells either way. And so they're always looking for ways to notch you down or or take a shot at you. And so when you go out to places, you have to know that everything you're saying or any kind of behavior that you're exhibiting out there somebody knows a reporter or somebody knows a way to feed that story out and so every time I go out I always think about man if I'm out with my wife and thinking about um, you know do you have a glass of wine at dinner you know all those things those are those are actual decisions I have to make every day that I go out with my family is you know the way that you're talking to somebody or if there's a bad situation happening how do you respond and, and because there is this exactly what you said there's a target not only from media but from other people who may not uh, be be as happy for your success as you would hope they would be. You know, they, they may want to take a shot at you or bring you down, and uh, and they'll do whatever they can to, to, to make that happen. So if you have a glass of wine and your steak is undercooked, yeah. to you, what is a bad steak and a nice dinner with your, your wife turns out to be 
Jeff Saturday was complaining during a drunken binge. Exactly right. And, and the way that it's framed, it only takes one of those stories. And you can't, it doesn't matter how good a person you, you can't overcome bad publicity. You know, it's like one of those things that's once it's out there, you can't fight it. You can't go, oh, that didn't happen. Because people feel like if it's in the paper, on the media, it's truth. And we, we all know that's not the case. But for some reason, it doesn't click with people like that. And so in every environment you're in, no matter where you are, you always have to be uh, a where you know there's photo cameras everywhere so you walking into a situation or walking into a place you know you shouldn't be somebody snaps a quick photo pic and next thing you know you're on Facebook and it's worldwide and, and these are things that that happen and I see them happen to players all the time and it's all because of one bad decision or one mistake that they've made that just leads to a uh, you know to a full downhill spiral do you have a Facebook page I do not. I do not. For that reason. I, my, my wife actually has one, and so if anybody tries to contact her through that way, uh, but I'm probably one of the only people in America who doesn't, <laughs> but I do not. Last question about the rookies. Uh, what would you say to your son who is entering his rookie year in the NFL? One, one sentence, one best piece of advice for your son entering the NFL as a rookie. One sentence. Man, that's a tough one. I would say um, – I say this is going to be this is going to be one of the greatest experiences you'll ever have in your life. Take advantage of this opportunity. Be smart with the decisions you make, and know if you do, this could be a heck of a career. Speaking with Jeff Saturday from the Indianapolis Colts, let's go back to your college days in the ACC. Um, oh, you know what? I wanted to say real quick. Let me let me before we get to that. Right. Wikipedia has. Uh, your your career passer rating listed at I think like thirty six. Yes, you threw a pass in a game. I did, I did. So I'll break it down. So we're playing. <laughs> I want to say it was Jacksonville. We're playing Jacksonville, and we're down five, and um, we're on our own thirty five yard line. And they're bringing the house. They're blitzing everybody because they know it's going to be a long bomb, and somebody's going to make a great play, right? So it's a good defensive call by them. And we don't have enough guys to pick it up. So somebody comes free, and they're wrapped around Peyton's waist. And um, I turn to see that, and so I kind of run behind Peyton, and he just pitches the ball out to me. And so I catch it, and I think I'm an athlete, right? So I'm like, I'm going to run this ball. So I start to run, and before I take two steps, the whole defense has converged on me, you know? And so I'm panicking. I'm thinking I'm going to get killed. And so I just toss the ball, and uh, I threw it to uh, Ryan Dean, who caught it, then turned and fumbled it and made me look awful. But I did get a decent passer rating. <laughs> so that's my deal on my passer the only center in the league with a passer rating right now, for sure. That is, that is a great story. I love that one. Okay. So back to college. You're in the ACC. Yeah. Um, how do you juggle sports and studies? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, from, from a student-athlete perspective, you have to understand that your education is the most important. And, you know, it, it's a lot of lip service to a lot of people, but the truth is so few people go to the pros and make a living out of it. Um, that you have to understand your studies really are going to take you a lot further. And so I, I think I got that. My mom's a teacher, and you know, I was raised in a single-parent family for a long time. I saw how hard it was for her, and I knew that if, if sports didn't work out, at least I'd have an opportunity to make a good education at, at Carolina. And, and I think that was important to me. And it was important, I tell you, it was important to Mac Brown and, and Jeff Madden, uh, who was our strength coach, to all of our staff that you made good grades. And 
all the guys that I played with who ended up having great careers in the league, uh, they were all good students. And, and we all pushed each other. Now, I'm not saying I was a straight-A student because I was not, but I understood um, to be a successful athlete, you need to be a good student. You know, the two went well together, and so that's what I focused on. Uh, at North Carolina. Um, the best you, school in the ACC, by the way, just to make sure we <laughs> clarify that. <laughs> uh, as, uh, you know, your football team is, is your fraternity, yeah. and those players are your brothers, and you've got to watch out for each other. Um, how, as, a, as I guess, as a leader or uh, as a brother, um, how do you step in when you feel like you should step in and talk to somebody about how they're handling themselves on or off the football field? Yeah, we had a uh, – Mac Brown had a, had a system when we were at Carolina where the, the captains of your team were your leaders. And so we would have, um, you know, five or six guys who were on the leadership committee is what we called it. And if we knew what players were doing or how they were acting, it was our job and our responsibility, uh, responsibility to step in first. So before it ever even got to the coaching staff or got to – um, any kind of discipline. It was the players' jobs to step in. And, and I think we used that effectively. When we saw guys getting out of line um, or, or making decisions that you knew weren't best for them, we were willing to step in and say, hey, man. And, and I got stepped in on. I mean, you know, don't, don't hear me in the right way. I made some bad decisions as well. And guys would look at me and say, hey, you know, this decision can cost you. You know, what you're trying to do here, this is this is an end-all. And it could be you're at a party and, um, you know, you've had too much to drink and here's this great-looking girl and now, you know, this is your response. I'm going to go back to this room. Well, if she's drinking and you're drinking, you go to jail. This There is no decision. And they used to bring people in all the time that would hammer that in on us. A girl who was intoxicated, you are going to jail. And and so, you know, we would always step in for each other. And I, and I tell you, there's something, you know, machismo about – athletes and drinking you want to get into this fist fight you want to beat up somebody or you know you're at a frat party and you know two different guys from two different frats are going to start and then everybody wants to get involved and, and just being willing to say hey man this isn't this isn't smart for us you know we need to bail out of here this is bad news um, and, and I think we did that a lot and it, and it went to save a whole bunch of us now we talked about juggling uh, studies and sports and you know we're not stupid and we've all been the, the we've all been to college and we know what happens. Um, how do you juggle smartly, responsibly partying in the social, social scene as a student athlete at a university where, again, the target's on your back. It's a little smaller, right. but the target's on your back. You're being watched, but you're still a young adult and you want to have some fun. Right. How do you juggle all that? I think giving yourself boundaries, you know, understanding what, you know, what your situation is and, and uh, who you are. You know, I think in college there's such a – there's a wide variety of athletes who are really well-known and maybe not so well-known. Um, and if you're one of those people who are well-known, understanding, you know, you make the same decision as somebody else, they may slide through the cracks, you're going to get – you're going to get nailed. And so setting boundaries for yourself, you know, okay, I'm going to go out such and such night with this group of people. I'm staying with this group of people. I'm not going to, you know, get blitzed and end up, you know, with somebody else on another campus, you know, somewhere else. This has to be a decision I'm making before I've gone out and, and, and making the boundaries of how much you're going to drink. You know, I'm not saying that anybody should, but I'm saying if you are going to do it, you, you better be responsible about decisions you're making, understanding how much am I going to drink before I go out? What's my limit going to be? 
where's my ride coming from? You know, it is it is a cliche in college. Everybody gets drunk and then goes loads up in one car. And the one guy who, you know, who grabs the keys, he's the idiot who gets the DUI. And his career is ended and ruined or, you know, he's suspended for a year. And everybody in the car probably would have done the same thing, but he's the guy who took the fall. And so just understand that setting those boundaries way before you uh, before you get into the situation. Single best piece of advice for your daughter if she's going to play volleyball or swimming, college athletics, what would you tell your daughter? Stay away from the athletic men <laughs> at campus. <laughs> don't, don't go anywhere near any of them or the frat guys, nobody. No, I'm just playing. The Adam Ritz Show, a reality show for your radio. We can't thank you enough for uh, listening to The Adam Ritz Show. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we love the Twitter. It's at Adam Ritz, and we now uh, are going to do some live tweeting with our next guest, in the flesh, it's Sean Collinsworth, the executive director of Phi Kappa Psi Fraternity. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well, Adam. How are you? Very, very fine. And do you tweet? Do you tweet a lot? I do, at scolly76. Okay, do that again. scolly76. Yep, at S-C-O-L-L-I-E-7-6. 7-6, because that was your number when you were the offensive line for the Colts, or what? I mean, obviously, I've <laughs> wide receiver and offensive line. I played both roles <laughs> on uh, on uh, seven-man football. That's the year you were born, 76. Uh, I wish, no. That no. was actually my badge number within my chapter of the fraternity. You really are a fraternity man. I okay. am, so, frat guy through and through. So, Phi Kappa Psi, uh, nickname-wise, they call it Phi Size, and you are the executive director. What is that role? Uh, I am pretty much the CEO of the national organization. I run the day-to-day operations. I employ a staff to uh, carry out the day-to-day operations and run the organization. And your website, is it a .org? And I want to ask you about if, it is, in fact, it is a .org, then it counts as a foundation. So you're, is it a company? Is it a charity? What is it? It's a not-for-profit. We have both .com and .org, but it is a, it's a not-for-profit organization, or as they call a 501c7 organization. Uh, it's not a foundation. We do have a foundation within the fraternity, which is a 501c7, where people can give uh, money and get a tax break, and we give money out for scholarships, for leadership activities, and for school and such. Okay, so I, what's the .com? Uh, it's www.ficapasai.com or it's .org at the end. They both feed to the same site. Okay, so you can give to the organization, which then feeds your student leadership and your fraternal um, organization. Or you also work with a national fraternity that I've recently become aware of, the uh, Girls, and Bur- Girls and Boys Club of America. Tell us about that. That's right. We are partnered with the uh, National Boys and Girls Club nationally. So we have 104 chapters nationwide, and those chapters that have uh, national boys or local boys and girls clubs that are close by, they do uh, work uh, and raise money for those organizations, and we're very proud of it. Sean Collinsworth is our guest, the executive director of Phi Kappa Psi. Now, as executive director, you're the you're the grand poobah, and um, I'm sure you pound your chest, and you're really proud of your guys with the work they do with um, the Girls and Boys Club of America. Let's take it from the other side of the uh, fence with a fraternity, the, uh, I guess, the cliches, the um, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, you know, Blue Towski and uh, Animal House and all that. When your phone rings at 3 o'clock in the morning, what goes through your mind? <laughs> well, exactly, and that's the thing that, uh, it, you know, it's frustrating when you're dealing with uh, 18 to 22-year-old uh, gentlemen. Um, sometimes things like that happen, but unfortunately, um, we... we portray those stereotypes more than I'd like to admit. Uh, we, we always pride ourselves on being gentlemen, but bad decisions do happen, and we've got to do a better job as an organization to hold ourselves up to a better standard so I don't get those 3 a.m. phone calls and I don't have that, that feeling in my stomach. 
Well, I got it. My fault for bringing it up. It is a stereotype. Part of this show, we do social awareness. We talk about responsible, right. responsible drinking as well. And I guess from your chair and your desk, um, what can you add to our conversation about uh, responsible drinking? No, nobody's saying if you're over 21, you shouldn't drink. You should just right. be responsible about it. How, how do you approach these topics? Well, that's true. I mean, if you're if you're going to partake in, in alcoholic beverages, is being smart about it, and it's not front loading and seeing how much you can drink and being responsible and being an adult about it. He's Sean Collinsworth, the uh, Grand Poobah, Phi Kappa Psi. Learn more at phikappasci.com or .org. And, uh, and if you want to tweet him, it's uh, scolly76. That is right. All right. And all my, my 112 followers will be really happy to, to, <laughs> to hear, all about, hear about my daily life. It's more sports, more personal, but a lot of attorney stuff as well. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. It's social, uh, technically. The Adam Rich Show is on the air with the topic of healthy dating. In this uh, social scene and social awareness that we cover, we've got to talk about healthy dating and relationships, and we bring on the show Aaron Bow. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Good to be here with you. I'm doing great, and uh, we want to talk to you about what you do with uh, promoting healthy relationships. You're a national uh, keynote speaker on the topic. What do you do? Yeah, I have a lot of fun um, speaking at uh, mostly college campuses throughout the country, um, on this topic that's like this, it's like this central area of our lives that we get no real education on. You know, it's like this, this key area of life that virtually 100% of us deal with, and we get no real education on it, and we just kind of have to figure it out trial and error. I think it's kind of funny that it's, it's almost like every generation has struggled one way or another with this issue, and we just assume the next generation will be fine. <laughs> you know, that's a great point, because you, you grow up through uh, adolescence and high school or junior high, you, you, you like football, you, you have a football coach, you like uh, chess, you join the chess, chess club, and you, you learn about things that interest you, you like to date, there's no dating class, there's nobody to really, I guess, point out tips on not how to date successfully, but healthy dating and, and healthy relationships. Uh, for a, a, now, who's your audience member? You say college kid mostly, but yeah, uh, this this students. probably pertains to junior high school kids as well. Yeah, my speaking actually goes from kind of middle school on up. Um, I'm, I'm a lot more drawn to speaking to younger audiences um, than, uh, than doing like a marriage counseling type of approach. Um, but yeah, from middle school on up, because yeah, it's this area of life where a lot of times as parents, we're kind of thinking, well, that'll happen later. Um, and a lot of the education people receive is either through trial and error or something they learned um, the hard way. Um, and what, what I like to try to do is, whether it's talking about, if you want to talk about the negative things we're trying to prevent, something like dating violence and, and so on, um, even if we're talking about something negative to avoid, you know, really what I think audiences like and what I think works best is taking a positive approach anyway. What we really need to do is equip people for healthy relationships and understanding what that really means um, and equipping young men and young women to really understand what that means and, and what are the benefits of just going about it in a better way. So how does the message um, compare, whether you're giving it to um, a 13-year-old 7th grader or a 23-year-old grad student? Good question. Yeah, it was going to be pretty, pretty sensitive to what's appropriate and what's not. But I feel like um, also an inclusive aspect, whether we talk about diversity in an audience, whether it's um, you know heterosexual or other kinds of uh, relationships, really, I think if someone's talking about what I'm talking about, it should be universal principles anyway of what is healthy and what's not. Um, so I find it pretty easy to be clean uh, but also relevant um, from, from middle school on up. With college, it is fun 
where when you're being realistic, you can be a little bit more free with that. But it's still a clean program that's able to get real, and students really enjoy the fact that we're able to have fun with it and talk about something that um, is very personal to them. But, it, but it's relevant, and you know, talking about hookup culture and just the, the dilemmas that we run into, whether it's, uh, I do a program called Hookups, Hangups, and Breakups, and it's one of my more popular programs um, because it's just kind of the stuff of life that we're talking about that, once again, we're figuring out through trial and error or by asking our friends what we should do. So I, I like being that voice um, who's kind of you know, lived it, also studied the research, uh, and talking about it in a fun way that's relevant. Aaron Bowe is our guest. He's a national keynote speaker on healthy dating and relationships. And uh, you mentioned the program you do, hookups, breakups, and what is it? Hookups, hangups, and breakups. Okay, hookups, hangups, and breakups. So out of that uh, 60-minute keynote, uh, give us one nugget out of that speech. So out of hookups, hangups, and breakups, something that allows me to kind of focus the program um, on what a campus might want me to um, specialize on, whether we're talking about avoiding some of the more serious things of unhealthy relationships or focusing just more on the positive, fun stuff like confidence and how to um, have uh, healthy, what healthy physical intimacy actually is. We're talking about breakups, though. Um, you should talk about five steps to breaking up. Number one, or we're talking about breakups, um, number one is actually moving on in a healthy way. actually starts with deciding you're going to move on. That's one of the things, the back and forth, uh, uh, on again, off again relationships that is an emotional roller coaster that drives a lot of us crazy. A lot of times students, it's a big aha moment when they're like, oh, I haven't actually decided I want to move on. Okay. Um, so simple points like that that we try to make that, uh, that seems to make sense to students. And, and um, students tend to appreciate that we talk about things in a, in a realistic way. Um, I tend to, one of the things that I hear a lot is that they enjoy the humor, but they also enjoy that I take an authentic approach. He's Aaron Bow, and we want to get you in touch with our listeners. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, what do you have? Yeah, Twitter, let's um, do the Aaron underscore Bow. And Aaron is two A's. Uh, most of my life have been correcting people with, with that, but A A R O N and underscore Bow, and B O E is how Bow is spelled. So Aaron underscore Bow. Um, A-A-R-O-N underscore B-O-E. And then my website also is just AaronBow.com. So A-A-R-O-N-B-O-E dot com. Awesome. Well, we thank you for your time and coming on the show. We're glad we got to uh, hook up with you <laughs> and now hang out with you. And, and even though we're breaking up with you now, I am not moving on. Uh, we want to bring you back on the show at some point in the future to talk about healthy dating and relationships. Thank you so much, Aaron. All right. Thank you, Adam. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.